Well, hi, everybody, and welcome again to today's sermon. Um, you know, it really is a privilege uh, for a pastor to have some of your time every week uh, or once every couple of weeks um, to share the Word of God. Uh, we understand that our calling and our responsibility is to bring that Word of God to encourage and equip and disciple believers so that they too may go out to the world and preach the good news of the gospel to those who might hear it. And uh, all of us have been living in a very strange time. For the last three months, all of us have been navigating the COVID pandemic together, mostly staying home and many of us doing church online in a way I think we never thought we would unless we were sick or away and just wanted to watch church online. So now it seems that things are starting to open up again. More and more businesses and rules are being relaxed. Articles are being written about how things will look and even what church might look like when we return. In fact, it can get us really excited to actually meet again in person, although certainly it'll be different a little bit than it was before. In fact, with the new rules, it seems like this will be the last time I preach from my house. So I hope you've enjoyed watching the cat meander uh, back and forth as uh, we will be able to start recording at the church again soon, God willing, unless things change. And that's a good thing. We spent these last three months talking about the values that build our life and character. We talked about what it means to be followers of Jesus, essentially. Even more recently, we were reminded to be people of hope and to raise our expectations for our own lives and for what God is going to do in the world today in and through us. And last week, we were reminded about the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit so that we might go into the world and truly make a difference. But as we return to normal, normal, it's important to recognize two things. One, we cannot forget the lessons that we so valuably learned during this pandemic. Many of the early talk was about slowing down, making sure we take time for the things that matter, making sure we take time to pray, take time for the word, and so on and so forth. And those cannot be forgotten. And secondly, the world is not the same as when this started. And that's for a number of reasons, and we're going to talk about some of that today. But truly, all of us have lived through a very historic time, and in 90 days, things literally will never be the same again. And that's not to scare anybody. That's not a bad thing because we know that God works things together for good for those who believe. And so we stand on that promise. And so for that matter, I think it's more important than ever to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people in the world today. Why is that? Well, you know, when the culture, when the world and when the things going around and the politics and all that, when the culture shifts and shakes, as it often does, we have to remind ourselves of what's most important. And that is Jesus and his gospel. We know that when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe on him and follow him as your Lord and Savior, he transforms your life. That's partly why our church is called transformation. And why wouldn't we want that for the people we know and love? And also, don't forget that churches that are full of transformed people transform their communities for the better. And by communities, that can mean your street, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, your whole city, wherever. See, salvation is not just a personal thing that has no effect on the world around us. It's not just 
I'm getting saved and I'm getting out of here. We've spent the last few weeks talking about being salt and light in the world today. We're, mo- we're meant to have a lasting and helpful effect on society. We're meant to give a preservation, preserving effect in salt and an illumination effect in light to the society around us. That means our communities, our cities, and beyond. While we're here, while we're still here, we need to live in such a way that we demonstrate the love of God and the culture of his kingdom wherever we go and in whatever we do. And so while we've been working our way through the last three months and the world around us continues to go on, things have changed dramatically, as I've said, especially here in North America, more so in our neighbors to the south, but certainly in Canada as well. There's been massive upheaval following the unjust killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. As many of us know, that sparked a series of protests and riots, both here and around the world. And so the danger can be, even myself personally, is to look at these immediate circumstances and then project only my feelings and what I want or what I believe about what's happening on these things. And so what I'm encouraging us to do as we come to the word today is to look at these momentous occasions, look at these issues and ask, what is God saying? How do I, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, live and move and breathe in this world in this moment? And so I suggest, I believe the right approach at this time, as in all cases, is to go to the word of God and to pray, look for wisdom and guidance, and then to take action. I would never think to dictate or to tell you all how to live or what to do or what to watch or what to listen to. But my friends, we're living through this moment. And as our country opens up, we'll be interacting again in person. I offer this advice. Go to the word of God daily. Pray daily. And when you feel weak, go to the word and pray and reach out to believers who you know are doing the same thing, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I mean this next thing very sincerely. Please, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling anxious, stay away from social media. It is not real life. It can be used for good and responsibly, but understand that social media has power and that it has power to ruin your emotional and spiritual state. I'm seeing it repeating over and over again. I am not encouraging ignorance of current events for sure, but I want you to know if you find yourself downcast in spirit, depressed and scared after scanning Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or or whatever it is, you need to get rid of it. I know that that may be a bit harsh, but I'm seeing an increase regardless of age of people who are struggling in this realm. And before we really dig into what I'm going to talk about today, I would ask you to consider that. So as I suggested to you, I went to the word and prayer and sought the counsel of others. And I came this morning to talk about uh, neighbors. I'm not the first to come up with this. There are preachers all over the world who are much more clever and much more uh, influential than I am who are preaching on the same subject. And God bless them for doing that. But I just want to share with you this morning what I saw from the Lord in regard to what's going on right now and how we consider the question of who is 
my neighbor. Let's go to the Word. And we're going to read in Galatians 5, verses 13 to 15. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Now, let's contextualize this verse. This is Paul speaking to the church in Galatians. He's speaking to Christians. And he's saying, you're called to be free. Amen. We can all say that. This is right before, a few verses before we read what the fruits of the Spirit are. So when we're full of the Spirit, we have what? Love, peace, joy, gentleness, self-control, so on and so forth. He's leading to that. And he reminds them of something that Jesus says that we'll look at later. Jesus had said earlier in his ministry, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. Maybe you're like Val and I. We have a lot more contact with our actual neighbors during the COVID pandemic. It's been quieter. People are around our streets more, but staying on our driveways. Not that we didn't talk to them before, but we're talking to them much more now. And of course, since we've had a dog, you, 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 you walk around and you meet more people. I don't know. Maybe it's the same for you. But now when I say neighbor, you immediately imagine, ah, the people who live on my street, or maybe if you live in an apartment building, the people that are in the apartments around me or, or whatever it may be. But many of you know, and if you don't, I'm telling you now that Jesus challenges our whole concept to bring us to a deeper understanding of what it means to be a neighbor. The well-known preacher Rick Warren said, you need to know your neighbor in order to love them. Now, it's a good statement, and that can mean locally or even globally. I mean, for example, if you have people living around you in your apartment building or on your street, and you don't know them, you know nothing about them, you don't know their names, I mean, do you really know them? And you say, well, I'm praying for my, my neighbors, and I'm praying that, you know, I'll have an effect on them, but you don't know anything about them. One would have to question, do you really care about your neighbors? We don't know who they are. I understand we live in Quebec and there can be some issues of do they speak French, do they speak English? It may be difficult, but you get the idea. You see, when it comes to knowing our neighbors, and Rick Warren, as Rick Warren says, you need to you need to know them in order to love them. The same can be true not just for the people that live around us, but for other people groups, for other groups of people that aren't like us. You know, and often we can be affected by our own prejudices about those groups of people. So we're not so sure about going to approach them. You could be somebody who's new to the country and you can't speak French. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I, I, if I should go speak to people who are French because I've heard such and such. Or you may be from a particular community group or cultural group and you're not sure if you want to approach another one. You know, so you, what we're encouraged to do is to begin to understand other people, understand where they're go, where they're coming from, what they're believing, why they believe they are, what they believe, why they're acting the way they act. But remember, this particular verse is written to Christians, and it says, "Be careful to love your neighbor as yourself." Because if you bite, if you start fighting, if you start biting devour, if you start fighting, you can literally destroy each other. And my friends, I gave that little social media warning, but I can see this every day on social media. Never mind outside the church, within the church, Christians who are maligning, slandering, lying, biting, devouring each other with accusations, strong words, and even hate. 
And Paul's warning is coming to fruition right in front of us. So what does it mean then to love our neighbor? Remember, our desire ultimately is to speak the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to people. But we have to live it first. So we have to keep the way we speak free of hate and condemnation. Remember um, that the book of James, if you read it, talks a lot about the power of the tongue and how the tongue, though it is small, has much power, has the ability to set a whole forest aflame. It's a, it's a wise saying. I was reading something um, by a gentleman. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name or find his name, but it was a good quote. And he said, the freedom to say whatever we want may be quite American, or in our case, Canadian, but it's not Christian. Okay, For Jesus' followers, it's his ways first, not ours. And so in these heightened times where many things are going on and things are confusing and things are are heightened and emotions are wild and and, and on fire, we may have this idea like, oh, I'm going to say this because I feel I'm righteous or I feel I'm right or whatever. But that's not a Christian value. That's a value that has been developed in the West, sort of democratic society. We say what I want, do what I want. You know, we can, we can argue the merits of that, but it is not a Christian value. In fact, the Bible says, be slow to speak, right? Because it know, the word knows that we as humans sometimes can get hyper, can get over emotional and say and do the wrong things. So sure, we just listen to Paul now who was quoting who? Jesus. So let's look at what Jesus actually said. So let's go back to a well-known portion of scripture. And Jesus said this. Um, and hearing that the Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So this is Jesus speaking. We've got to take this real seriously. So what does he mean by love your neighbor as yourself? It's a young woman named Chloe Valde who says this. It means to see the other as a human being made in the image of the divine and thus deserving of the same rights and carrying the same responsibilities as you do. So simply put, everybody you see, regardless of their ethnic origin, their religious preferences, their whatever preferences, is made in the image of the divine. And so they are worthy of respect and honor and love in the same way that we are. The old golden rule that many of our parents brought us up with, don't do to other people what you don't want done to you. Nobody out there wants to be berated. Nobody else out there wants to have prejudices put against them. Nobody out there wants to be hurt. Nobody out, you, know, you get the idea. And so that's how we should treat other people the way we want to be treated. And who are these other? Who are my neighbors? It's actually everyone. So the definition of neighbor becomes a question because it can be easy to love maybe my next door neighbor who I see a lot. We get a relationship going. We share a fence. We maybe share vegetables once in a while. We have a good chat about something and that can be become easy because they're right there all the time. The people that I hang out with, the people that are in my social circles, the people I have coffee with, the people who are like me, the people who believe the same things as me, people who go to the same church as me, but it cannot be undervalued. That Jesus links loving God 
with loving others. And it doesn't mean just the people that we want to love. It means all people. Jesus links loving God and putting him first and loving others together as the two most important commandments and that all other commandments, all other of the law and the prophets fall under that umbrella. Love God, love others. Christians, we can't pick and choose. We must love everybody. And so we come to a famous parable called the Good Samaritan. And again, many awesome preachers have been preaching about this for a couple of weeks. And I don't mean to go through the whole story this morning, but I want to look at something at the time about how religious people at the time were testing testing Jesus or trying to, and how this exposes uh, some of our prejudices and speaks into the situation maybe that's going on today. And so again, an occasion, an expert of the law stood up and said to Jesus, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus says to him, Well, you tell me what's written in the law. How do you read it? And the teacher says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Does that sound familiar? Ah, this expert in the law is repeating what Jesus has been saying and preaching around and it's in the law. And he he's clearly learned the right verbiage. He got the answer correct in terms of if it was on an exam and someone wrote, how do I inherit eternal life? And they wrote that down. It would be correct. You did a good job, expert in the religious law. So he'd been listening. And Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But it says the man wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And that's the title of our talk this morning. You see, this religious expert in the law, though he got the answer right, he actually didn't really like the answer. You see, the Bible tells us he was trying to justify himself because the particular group he belonged to had certain prejudices, certain rules that other people couldn't follow, and that meant other people were excluded from their group. And so they were, he didn't really want Jesus to uh, tell him the real truth. He was trying to trap Jesus into a situation. And so he says to him, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Here's what happens, and this is what happens when we do it to God too. This man was trying to define the parameters of God's love that would fit his idea of what was right and what was wrong and not Jesus' idea or God's idea. And so he asked Jesus this question. You have to understand there was religious and racial tensions at that time. And Jesus goes on to tell a story about a Samaritan. Well, Samaritans at the time, you have to understand, had religious and um, relations with the uh, Jews that were strained. I cannot get into the long, detailed history. You could look it up, but essentially understand that the Jews and the Samaritans did not have much to do with each other. There was a lot of tensions as groups between the two of them. And so Jesus tells a story about a man that gets beaten on the side of the road by robbers. Right, And as that story goes on, a a priest goes by and sees this man beaten. This Jewish priest ignores him and says, I'm not going to help this man. And then a Levite comes by. He was like a religious law expert. So he would have been like one of the guys that was talking to Jesus at at the time. And he says, I'm not going to help him. And then finally a Samaritan. So when, when, when the crowd hears that he says a Samaritan goes by, you have to understand they had, they had religious and racial prejudices built up in their mind. So they hear the word Samaritan and boom, right away they're thinking, oh, other, oh, this guy. There's no way this guy's going to help because Samaritans are this and bad. They worship God wrong. They worship in the wrong place. They don't worship God properly, etc., etc., etc. This is the ideas they had. 
And then Jesus flips on and he said, this is the man that goes and helps him and goes above and beyond to help him. And so then Jesus says to the religious law expert after the story is done, he said, which of you three do you think was a neighbor to this man? And the expert in the law replied correctly, the one who had mercy on him. It's interesting. I wonder, I'm just extrapolating. He doesn't even say the Samaritan. Like he couldn't bring himself to say that maybe. I don't know. But he says the one that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and be like a Samaritan. So it blew the mind of the people there because you're telling me to go and be like the the other, those people that I don't really want to associate with? Yeah, because they were doing and living the love of God and the ways of God more than the two men beforehand, you see? So go and be like them, even though you think that they do everything wrong. So the question is this. The man asked, who is my neighbor? But Jesus flips it on his head. It's not who is my neighbor. It's am I a good neighbor? See, if the religious law, I wonder if the expert had said to him, Jesus, I've summed up the law and the commandments. I understand that we must love God and love our neighbors. But how do I be a good neighbor? What a different conversation he would have had with Jesus. And maybe he did further on. I hope he did. But you see how the mindset changes. So the question this morning is, Am I a good neighbor? Are we being a good neighbor? Christians, don't look at others to justify your neighborly love and affection. We give it all out regardless because that's what we're called to do. I do want to take a moment to give warnings, okay, against speaking against neighbors. The Bible is full of this. And remember, neighbors is not just people who live next to you. It's everybody. Okay? It's important. Especially those of us, maybe predominant culture, white people belong to a prominent culture. You can meet a group of people and people are saying things like, oh, that group of people can't drive or that people can't sing and that type of person can't dance. And oh, group X, they're always like yada, yada, or they're more prone to commit crime or they're more... You've been in conversations like that. I know, okay, I'm I'm a middle-aged white man. I've been in conversations like that. And we have to begin to change that in our lives and stand up for that in our lives. Let's look at some Bible verses. One, 1 John 4, if anyone loves God but hates his brother, he is a liar. See, folks, you cannot be a Christian and be a racist. It doesn't work. We go, we go, uh, Psalm 101.5 says, whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. So you're having a private little conversation amongst the people that are like you, that agree with you, and, and you're, you're, you're defaming or slandering group X. And the Lord is not pleased with this. In the book of James, we get, again, where he's talking about the power of the tongue. It goes on to say this. James 2, 7, 9 says this. If you really keep the royal law in Scripture, what is the royal law, the, the kingly law? Love your neighbor as yourself, it says. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. That's, wow, it's in your sinning if you're showing favoritism to a group or to a type of person, maybe because of their wealth or because of their position or because of what they look like or how they talk or whatever it may be. James 4 says this, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver, one judge, and one who's able to save and destroy. That's God, right? And he finishes this, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? That's heavy stuff. So how do we do this? How can we live according to these scriptures and precepts? I think it's important that we rely on God and his love and his love alone. Let's jump to Romans. Romans 13. 
verses 8 to 10. It says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. We're continuing this theme. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, so he's saying, whatever you can think of, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I don't for a second believe that I have the words or the intellect to offer some kind of salient, meaningful solution to all the issues going on in the world today. No, do I think it's a matter of simply just saying some words or and passing some laws. There's deep-rooted issues being addressed that I know God will help us work through. But I've had the privilege of talking and ministering with many brothers and sisters in Christ this week, many of whom um, have shared with me their stories of racial discrimination. And I found their words to be challenging and inspiring and, and, and frankly, sad, not sad because they make me sad, but because they are, how much it hurt them. And so I'm asking myself, and I'm encouraging you to ask, are we being good neighbors? And before we start judging the church in general, or our church, or any other church, or the government, or others, that group, this group, that group, look at that group, look at that group, don't play the whataboutism game. What about that guy? What about that person? What about this? Let's look in the mirror and allow God to shine his light on us and show us the way. I was listening to a video from uh, Dr. Reverend Bernice King, and she said this, we need the Holy Spirit to be our guide and our lead, not our emotions and even our cultural understandings to be prominent. It has to submit to the higher voice of God. And I would say this in this time, we've often forgotten or avoided lamenting together, repenting together, crying together. You can ask my family, I'm not a cryy person, but I found myself undone these last couple of weeks as I listened to my black brothers and sisters tell me story after story of discrimination and hate solely because of the color of their skin. And it's even made worse that some of the stories are within the context of Christian gatherings. And that should never happen. These people, all people, are our neighbors. Our neighbors, excuse me. I get it. We all say we're worried. Because we might say the wrong thing. Believe me, I feel like that right now as I'm talking to you. But not saying anything could be just as bad. Right now we're talking about one particular issue. Just in this case, racism that black people face in North America. It's not the only problem going on right now. But we're looking at that and addressing that in our communities. So we can learn to handle it and others. But why? Because it's the Christian way. We've read Jesus' call over and over again to love our neighbor as ourselves and to spread love and to show love and to make that a reality in our communities. And two, for the gospel. We want nothing between a person and the message that God so loved them that he sent his only son to die, that if they believe in him, they will not perish but have everlasting life. We want nothing to become between anybody and that message. And so that means that sometimes we have to get uncomfortable. I was reading Paul at 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 19 to 23. He says this, Paul now, for highly educated ministry to the whole world, says this, Though I, being free and belong to no one, have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became one like under the law. Though I am not under the law myself, 
to win many under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Even though I am not free from God's law, I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those people, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Maybe this is a a big idea. Maybe this is a bit confusing. But Paul is saying not that, well, I just do what everybody else is doing so that they listen to me. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that he's willing to forego the way he wants things to be or the way he thinks things should be so that he can... Um, reach them with the message of the gospel. So him, a highly educated, uh, formerly very religious Jew, would have a very set idea of how church should look like, maybe what singing should be, maybe how scripture reading should go, so on and so forth, order of service. Uh, he's a very bold man, so he probably wanted to be out there, but he realized whatever circumstance he was in, he would make sure that the gospel was preeminent, but if he had to present it in a certain way, or talk a certain way, or uh, uh, understand the traditions, again, like we talked about right back at the beginning, Okay, to understand people's culture so that he can reach them with the gospel. But to do that, at the same time, we have to deal with the first a few things. To really reach people, we have to deal with our prejudices. Paul and Peter went through that. Go read the Bible. Peter himself had to deal with the prejudice he had about eating meals with people who weren't Jewish. Go look it up. And they dealt with it. Okay? We have to understand the culture we're going into. Paul went and preached in Greece, where there was idols everywhere. And instead of saying something about the idols, he used the idols to speak to the the coming of Christ, understanding his culture. And most importantly, we have to listen to understand people and to show love. I would just pray that we'd be a people of God that show the world a different way, the way of Jesus, the way of love so that they too could know the love of God and the peace of God that would truly change this new world that we're walking into. So as we navigate these issues that are going on, and I realize it could be a lot coming out of COVID and dealing with the, the with, with, with what's happening across North America, may we be a people today to not hide from what's going on. Pray to the Lord for strength, wisdom, and love. Read his word. So you're ready when you can share it with others. Reach out to neighbors. Reach out to your brothers and sisters in the black community and ask them how you can help. There are many who I know personally who are willing and wanting to share their experiences and to help us understand how we can help them. Across... um, Reach out to your neighbors next door. Reach out to people across the city. Maybe reach out to people you ordinarily would never talk to. Reach to those you don't understand. Love, listen, and share the new good news, excuse me, of Jesus Christ. Remember, the question is not who is my neighbor. The question is, how can I be a good neighbor? And so as we come back to some normalcy, go back to church, uh, my prayer is that Transformation Church will be a great neighbor, not just in Purifoil, but in the city of Montreal and the province of Quebec and our country and, our, and, our, and, our, and, our, and around the world, and that each and every person in it will be living that same reality out in their personal lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for today. Lord, uh, there's so much going on in the world today that is heavy, Lord, and for some of us is very challenging. I pray, Lord, that whatever... Uh, you would want to say to the people today would resonate in their hearts and their minds and their spirits. Help us, Lord, to be good neighbors. Help us know what it means to love everyone. 
and to make a difference today. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering um, right now in, in, in our cities. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering injustice. Lord, we pray that they would know justice, Lord. We pray for those, Lord, that are suffering, Lord, from fear and anxiety, Lord, that they would be uh, Lord, set free from that in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, as believers, Lord, to shine a light on the hill, to be a salt to preserve this society, Lord, and help us, Lord, to make a difference. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks very much, and God bless.